Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Tom Davis here, host of the No Bad Dogs podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining me today. And I appreciate you so much for listening. If you guys like this podcast or you enjoy it to any regard, it's absolutely for free. And we spend tons of time putting this together for you guys. Uh, If you could do me a solid favor, my Christmas wish, if you will, (laughs) go over and review the uh, podcast in whatever you're listening to this to, Spotify or iTunes. And remember, at the end of the podcast, I'll be answering three of your dog training questions in specific. So three of you guys, the listeners... If you guys have questions about your dog and you want to know my opinion on it, go to the iTunes review chart, leave a review and a question in there. You can't do it on Spotify because Spotify doesn't allow you to do anything except review. But if you are listening to this on Spotify, do me a solid favor and review the podcast. Again, it's absolutely for free for you guys. I would appreciate that a lot to help us continue to grow and spread the good word. This is a wonderful podcast uh, with a dog owner. Uh, you know, and I say this a lot, but I, you know, I record a lot of uh, my co- consulting service questions, and just so everybody knows, when I when you guys are hearing these conversations, these are conversations from my consulting service that we have, um, that we do uh, obviously every week, and everybody who signs up gets an email that says, "Hey, we're going to record this and potentially use it for things," but I don't use everything. I only want to give you guys the good stuff that I think you're going to find beneficial. And this is a dog owner who I think is going to resonate with so many of you with a reactive, fearful, aggressive dog. She, You can just hear in her voice how desperate she is for help and for change in, in the most beneficial, healthy way. She knows that the dog is capable of doing the things, and she knows that she's capable of, of achieving these goals. She just needs direction. And so this is a classic um, just sit down with the dog owner and helping her through her emotions and helping her get on track. And it's a wonderful, beautiful uh, conversation in my opinion, and I think you guys are going to find it very beneficial. There's some things that I say and go over in this podcast that I've never done before. Um, and so I hope you guys enjoy it. Don't forget at the end of the podcast, we're going to be going over three of your dog training questions and, um, all my courses, my brand new coffee that we just launched all in the link in the description below. I appreciate you guys and your support and let's get into the podcast. Okay. Fantastic. Well, it's so lovely to meet you. Likewise. Likewise. So Uh, what do you got going on? So I have a very lovely 130-pound Cane Corso Rottweiler and Golden Retriever mix. His name is Denver. Um, He is about two and a half years old. Um, He's my best friend. He's my loyal protector. Um, But we've had a very hard two and a half years. Um, I dove headfirst into getting a breed that I did not understand. Um, and I can't really tell you why I did it. I had, I had growing up, I always had this idea that I would get a big, tough dog so that I could feel protected. Um, my ex-boyfriend had a Rottweiler chow and I feel like I just bond with certain breeds more than others. So I took that on myself. 
but um, I think it was a bit of COVID crazy as well because, uh, you know, I, I got him from a backyard breeder. Um, there was a bit of a puppy frenzy at the time. So I was throwing myself at any dog um, that would, would listen. And um, I almost got an American bully, didn't work out. Then Denver popped up on my page and, and I really thought, okay, the golden is going to neutralize all the intensity of the other two breeds. And I was really wrong. <laughs> um, I honestly think it made it worse because he's got the curiosity and playfulness of a golden mixed with the confrontational, intense behaviors of the other two breeds. Um, so, so yeah, it's been it's been a whirlwind for me. I've learned so much about myself and about my abilities to raise a living thing, but I feel like I've screwed up a lot. Um, and although we feel like we're at the other end of things, if I were to speak to you a year ago, Tom, I would have been in tears. Um, but I worked really hard with him and we're at a really good place. But I can't help but feel like the screw ups I had while he was growing up have made him, um, he hasn't reached his full potential. So I think that's why I'm here today. That's the big thing is I feel like I've let him down. Um, and he's pretty antisocial now. So there's just some behaviors that I wanted to speak to you about today, but I'll leave you with that first little intro to Denver and maybe get some of your thoughts on um, what I've said about my journey so far. I'm sure you hear it all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's anything that has Corso in it is typically um, a challenge for, for some people just because they're challenging dogs. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that you're running into certain things. Uh, I'm not sure what they are yet, but it doesn't surprise me. They can be pretty uh, difficult dogs to, to work with. So it's good, though. I mean, it, you know, your your attitude towards the whole thing is, is good. I think that a lot of people have a hard time uh, understanding that the things that they're dealing with and the dog's behavior is out of nowhere or whatever. So it's good that you have that mentality of understanding that, you know, you should have got help before, or maybe it would have helped. Now you're ready to get more help. So I'm interested to see what your problems are and the things that you're struggling with. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I appreciate you saying that because, um, so I've, I've worked with a few trainers, um, I almost think I, I've worked with too many trainers uh, because I I was trying to find my training identity or philosophy um, and I didn't know what that looked like because so much was being thrown at me and I couldn't even walk down the street without a neighbor coming out and being like, why don't you have an easy walk harness on him? Why do you have a prong collar on him? And I like... It was just opinions everywhere from from trainers and non-trainers. Um, so I, you know, I first worked with a, a trainer that um, you know taught me how to use the prong. Uh, he was he was a really a really great trainer, um, but Denver didn't really respond well to him. It was kind of this fear, like we'd walk into the the room and Denver would just be like shaking and just really off, um, and it didn't feel right. So it didn't feel like a great fit. Uh, then I worked with a balanced trainer that was really great on the onset, but then, you know, focused far too heavily on, on treat training and Denver didn't respond to it, especially when, you know, I'll get into some of his behaviors, but 
um, kind of the, the main thing with Denver behavior wise. When he is confronted by another dog, it could be the smallest confrontation. It could be a dog just even fixating on him for less than a second his whole energy will change. So he'll go from, you know, walking with me, having a good time to tense, his hair standing up, his mouth almost clenched, and he will not let that dog anywhere closer to him without growling. Um, I do use an e-collar and I, I use your e-collar, the, the No Bad Dogs Dogtra. Um, I'm able to, to get him out of that fixation but just with his pure strength, there are often times where I'm I'm pulling him and I'm almost falling over to get him away from those situations. That's the biggest behavior challenge I have with him is, is male aggression. Um, he's wonderful with female dogs, even new ones. But any male dog that's around his age or younger, it is war. Um, I do muzzle him when we we go into public places where I do imagine there to be other dogs because I feel like I'm not able to enjoy my dog and I'm at this this way I'm okay do I keep him at home and just have him all to myself or can I share him with the world but the world's not going to welcome him because you know they stare at him when he has a muzzle on when he doesn't they're like why don't you have a muzzle on him he's aggressive and it feels like I can't win um yeah. And I know it sounds crazy because I, I feel like he, he is a good dog, but I feel like I say that and people just look at me and they don't believe me. <laughs> um, and they don't see the side of him that I see. So anyways, rant and kind of all over the place, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's all valid stuff to, to be, to be thinking of. That's what I'm saying is like your, your headspace is in the right place. Like you're the best type of client to work with because you, you want to, shift and you want to take that direction but you've already done your research and I think what you said about it, it's the first time that I've been thinking this for a little bit but it's the first time a client has said it and when you're trying to as far as like what type of training to and and, and what type of training that you're doing you you want to you don't really want to as a dog owner and as a in my opinion as a professional I, I personally don't like to fit in boxes either, and I don't like to have this, um, this is where I'm at, this is my, this is, you know, I think we should all be thinking on our feet and trying to figure out which way we're going to go and what's going to work, and so that's why, it's interesting when you said that you were trying to figure out what training style is going to work best and how you're going to be kind of characterized that you don't really want to be into that. I forget what word you use, but you don't want to be in that really. You want to be switching gears. And if you're in a space that is healthy for you and you feel that your dog is progressing and you're happy with what you're seeing, then that's all really you need. I mean, there's always ways to get better, but don't feel like you have to find that type of thing. I mean, it's just a constant evolution of figuring out what works for you, what works for your dog, um, and trying to figure out what's going to make you guys the happiest. And so that's good that you have that state of mind. Uh, but I will kind of help direct you in a sense of don't try to find that one camp that you fit in and categorize yourself at. And as I, I think you said, identify, because I see that a lot in the dog world 
uh, especially from 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 professionals too, they'll they'll say like, "Oh, I'm this type of trainer. I'm this type of trainer." Which is, it's really just trying to identify to let other people know how you do things, which is okay to a to a certain extent. But the clients, as in you, aren't gonna really know what that is. So if you see somebody that's like, "I'm a X type of trainer," or "I'm a Y type of trainer," or "I'm this type of trainer," they're identifying as something instead of just trying to say like, Hey, I'm helping dogs. And so it's, it's kind of like this virtue signaling of this is who I am and everything else around it's poli- It's completely like, like politics. It's like, this is who I am. And so try not to, I, I'm just, the way that you said that was really nice. And I, I don't really talk about it, but that identification of how you want to train, you shouldn't be wearing as a flag or want to wear it as a flag because that means that you're set in your ways. That that literally means like, this is me. I'm never going to change. Even if something comes along that is completely better or changes over time, this is me. So it's good that you're trying to stay open. I just want to point that out. That was really nice. And it's healthy too. Um, so is, so he, is he fixed? He is. Um, I, I did neuter him late. Um, he was about two years and mm. three months when I, when I neutered him. Um, and he went through a really, really wild regress regression period after that. Um, he turned into, it was uncontrollable. Like I couldn't take him anywhere. He couldn't even go to his, he goes to a, a kennel for, for daycare every now and then. Um, I couldn't take him there. He was pulling people to the ground. Um, just super just off he was his whole personality his whole demeanor changed and I know like I've heard people say there's a spike in the testosterone or whatever it might be um so I was expecting a little bit of a change but he turned into a dog I I really did not recognize and um I feel like I I screwed up because I used to go to dog parks a lot I mean I had a (laughs) I had like a 50 pound puppy at like five months that uh, had endless energy and I went to an off-leash dog park it wasn't a fence dog park it was like one of those trail dog parks um so as much alone time as we got there there were obviously a lot of dogs running through the woods as well and he got picked on a lot uh he went once he reached kind of that adolescent period uh he would get get pinned a lot um mounted a lot um and he would take it and and you know me being an inexperienced dog owner too, I, I I didn't really know what to do. So I would just kind of be like, Oh, let's go Denver. Let's go. And then one day he fought back and, uh, he was pretty intense about it and it was a pretty big scene. And, um, I stopped going, uh, but I can't help but shake the feeling that, that I screwed up and I, I let him go through too much. And I turned him into this like antisocial version of himself. And, Maybe if I hadn't have done that and I would have made his interactions with other dogs more pleasant, um, he wouldn't be so shut off from the rest of the world. And that's that's a big insecurity of mine. I, 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 can't, I can't believe I went to dog parks so much and let him go through that because I feel like I really did some damage. Uh, I don't know your take on that, but. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's natural to feel like that. Um, I would say uh, dog parks in general just are can be difficult. For dogs, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some dogs love it. Some dogs enjoy it. Some dogs thrive in it. And I always tell people that it's not a matter of uh, if, it's a matter of when something happens. And it doesn't matter if it's your 
dog being the aggressor or not. It's just, it's a, I always tell people it's like a public pool. Like don't complain about things when you're going to the public pool because you don't control anything. You don't control who comes in. You don't control, you don't control anything. And so it's, it's, it's difficult to be successful in that environment. And it's totally normal and natural. And I give a lot of empathy and compassion and understanding for dog owners who do these things. Because if I wasn't who I am as far as a professional and done my research, and really it's not as much about research in the dog space as it is about experience. So if you you could do, I mean, you already know this, you could go online and pretty much find anything that will meet your, (laughs) what you want to see, what you want to hear. We all know that. Um, but it's really more about experience, and that's that's where a lot of my education has come into with dogs is dog owners coming in. I mean, I've been just doing this for so long that the amount of stories and the amount of experiences that I have, it has given me a lot of education. So the amount of dog owners that my dog loved the dog park, and then Joe Schmo came in and their dog attacked my dog. Now my dog is whatever. So don't beat yourself up over that because a lot of people – run into those situations all the time and it's totally a normal I mean a dog I mean how great does that sound like a dog park and you're a dog owner who loves your dog and you love other dogs and you'd want your dog to have fun and socialize and but understanding that there's kind of forced socialization on dogs which is what dog parks typically breed and then there's healthy, neutral socialization, which we can talk about, but don't, don't beat yourself up over that because it's something that so many dog owners do. And until they have a bad experience and that's typically what happens, right? Same thing with you about your training and the things that you've done is you'll have an experience that you may feel uneasy about. And then you'll go online and realize like, Oh, there's all these other people who are either not doing well with dog parks or doing well with this type of training, whatever. So don't worry about that too much, but I think it's just a matter of time if your dog were to not like dogs now, I mean, or have an aggression towards other dogs. It's what I think it is from what you've told me so far is dogs. So we don't really know for sure. I've talked to a couple different veterinarians about this, breeding specialists about this. There's no exact thing that tells you like the only thing that we know about getting your dog fixed is it 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 is takes away all the testosterone and so I mean I'm sure there's other stuff I'm just I'm speaking very uh neutrally just across the board uh but once your dog it here's my experience is once your dog hits sexual maturity and they fully come into themselves as an adult they once you fix them after that, they they can either kind of decrease into this slum of I felt a certain way for so long and I started to become like an adult and now I feel different and it can it can regress some of the behavior a little bit. But again, like that's normal. Uh, a lot of people wait for their dog to be fully mature so they can get all the benefits of the dog being um, structurally and orthopedically healthy. So it's a it's an, like I I did that with my Saint Bernard when he was around. He was he lived until he was twelve, and I never fixed him. 
but he lived such a healthy life for a St. Bernard orthopedically. So even when he was, uh, you know, his lot, like when he, he was on his 12th year, which is significantly old for a St. Bernard, he w- orthopedically, he was beautiful. Like I remember I would bring him into the vets and they would be amazed like how he moved. And I think a lot of that has to do with his diet, which is raw food. And then his, his, his just his overall healthy bones, right? Cause I didn't fix them. And that's something that can, again, this is like a very, uh, gray thing because there's, there's, it, it, listen, anything I think in the world is going to be, you're going to have one person over here saying this thing. And then you have one person over here saying this thing, and then they're going to constantly argue for the rest of the time. And then the people in the middle, which are you and I, the people who really – I don't want to say the people who matter, but the opinions that actually matter are people who you and I who are out here just trying to navigate a healthy life with our dog. You know, I don't really care if you're right. I don't really care if you're right. I just want to solve an issue. So that's something I've just seen through experience just so you know is one because you fixed him at two – so you fixed him recently kind of. Yeah. So if you if you'd fixed him recently and he kind of had this weird holy shit – what's going on. I mean, it makes total sense because it's kind of like fully coming into yourselves as an adult. And then all of a sudden things change like drastically and you feel different and your emotions are different and your hormones are acting different. And it's all these different things that are happening. So it makes sense where he got a little weird and he's like acting out of character, but sometimes, and this is why it's an interesting topic because so many dogs react differently. Like that's why, again, if you research or you ask a professional and I'll tell you even like it, it's hit or miss. Like you just flip a coin. Sometimes it makes dogs chill and mellow and kind of calm down. Sometimes it makes it like worse and it makes it the dog more vulnerable and it makes the dog feel more insecure. Sometimes you don't notice anything and it's really not consistent. That's why I think people are just kind of sticking to the science of what actually happens with the dog of like, oh, obviously he doesn't have any testosterone anymore. That's something that we know. Okay. Okay. That, that makes sense. Okay. But like, how is he going to behave after that is really predicated off of him. So, um, but I've also seen in my experience that once dogs again, fully get to that mature level they're already past the point of being okay with other intact males and specific. But it sounds to me that if it's a male on male thing, it's probably more of that, like him being intact for as long as he did, because that's, if it's that consistent with males, it's like only males. And sometimes it's even only intact males, which is a thing too. Like that's something that my St. Bernard, again, like I use him as an example because he was a big dog, 150 pound intact male, and he developed issues towards other dogs as he matured, but it was only certain dogs and then it became like all dogs. So right now to recap just a little bit, so you are struggling with bringing him out because I know that you said like he's wearing a muzzle for his safety, but is he, is he aggressive at all towards other people or is it just dogs? So he did go through a phase where, um, men, human men that he didn't know, um, it was a sore spot for him. So he, and and it would always be with me at the other end of the leash. Mm -hmm. Right. And 
if, you know, my, my boyfriend was out with him, um, he was, he was okay with, with other people, but, um, with me, he would kind of get his guard up when, you know, a man walked by that he didn't know, uh, just kind of that tense, um, body language that I was speaking about when it came to the, the male dog interactions, uh, but never showed any like real signs of reactivity to, to people. Um, he has a bit of stranger danger. Like he's not the golden retriever that's running up and getting butt scratches from everybody. Uh, but he, he's polite. Um, and I, I'm really grateful for that because then I can, you know, I can take him into a room with humans. Um, and he, he does focus on me. He does have that. Okay. I'm, I'm with mom. I want to stay with mom. Um, he, he has, I've worked really well with him in terms of building that bond of, of, you know, eyes on me looking to me for direction and that's really because of, of your videos um not really because of any trainer i've worked with but i it was the exact thing if i had a problem i went i looked on your channel i looked up the problem and i tried to find a video that you know was going to get into that problem and then I, I worked from there i i built up from there i i built it into my training sessions um for a 130 pound dog i mean he walks fantastic on a leash because of the prong because of the e-collar um I'm really blessed for for building that connection with him, but um, yeah, his problem area is not really with people, uh, but he's not crazy about people either. He likes his people, um, but that's about it. And the yeah, like you said, like the the whole thing about getting him neutered, um, you know, to be completely transparent, uh, I was avoiding it at all costs. I didn't want to do it. Um, I, I don't think people really talk about. Some people say, oh, I regret not neutering my dog. But for me, it's like I kind of regret doing it and I can't pinpoint why. Um, but I didn't want to. I, I, I try to give him the healthiest life possible. Um, and I almost feel like to a fault sometimes because I, I always am trying to strive for for making him healthier, making him happier, giving him a better, well-rounded life. Um, but that's not always going to be possible, I think. And I, I have to let some of that go. Like for me, I feel like I'm depriving him of a balanced life if he's not able to go out without his muzzle. Um, but what does that really mean? Like, why am I putting that that standard onto myself and onto Denver when it's just providing him a healthy outlet? Um, and you know, I've I've trained him on the muzzle well. Like he likes his muzzle. He walks right into it. I I I had a positive association the same way I built that training with the e-collar. But people don't see that. And then it's like I'm getting all these stares and I'm waiting for something bad to happen with another dog. And and he feels that energy off of me. So even if he's good with other people, which he he is to to the you know, most most of the time, he's still feeling that weird energy off of me. And is it gonna to get to a point where my lack of confidence is going to be the reason that he snaps? That's, I think that's where my insecurities come down. I walk out of the house, I see a dog that he doesn't like, I see a bus, which he hates buses. And then I look straight, I see a neighbor that, oh, he doesn't really know. And then I'm just standing there, I'm like, where do I go? like what direction can I go where I feel comfortable? I don't have one. I'm going to go back in the house and I'm going to wait and I'm going to come out 10 minutes later or I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive 20 minutes into the country and walk in a random field. Like that's at the point where I was and I, I still kind of am if I'm expressing it and I'm getting all ranty about it. It's because I still care. Um, I don't know what way to go. And, and it's, I could go to a place where everyone accepts him and everyone's okay with the muzzle and they think, oh, wow, Athena, you're doing such a great job and he's so good. I still feel that like something bad's going to happen. And 
it's going to be because of me because who else in here is accountable it no one like i got this dog and i people always say to me like well you went and got that dog like really like that's the dog you want to get and i i've kept all these feelings for two and a half years and it's that every time i leave the house where do i go where can i go where my dog is accepted where i'm accepted and is something bad gonna happen am i gonna make it home today and he's gonna have a bite history even with the muzzle is he gonna get out of it in some way like it's those insecurities are are penalizing my my relationship with my dog um and you know they affect my relationships in life like my boyfriend's always like he's fine he's a great dog like why are you so tense why are you so anxious and he doesn't understand you know like if something happens it's on me and and I want to protect him. I don't want someone coming after him. Um, so anyways, that was super, super ranty. But I think a lot of my problems with him might actually be my problems with myself. Um, and then he feeds off of that, I think, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't, it's not ranty at all. It's it's how you should be expressing yourself because that's, that's the problems. Like when you talk, you're going to um, – put out what you're really concerned about. And if you didn't do that, then I wouldn't really be able to help you. So it's, it's all good. So I think it's a natural fear that dog owners have. I think to answer your question in two parts, the you seeing how your dog can be in a, in a physical way can give you anxiety throughout other things. That's what, that's what a lot of people don't see. Like there's a lot of people who don't see dogs correcting other dogs. Uh, they don't see other dogs getting into dog fights and things like that. And it could be pretty traumatic. And so that's that's something that I wish more people understood is there's a lot of like you yourself have seen what your dog is capable of. And you've seen things go wrong, not really in a terrible way. I mean, I've had conversations with people that it's really traumatic, like really traumatic um, things that you would never even dream about in a bad way. It's bad. And so you're, you're just, that's how, I think that's just how we are as humans. You see something happen or you feel like something can happen. So it's two, two things is you need to be working with somebody that can give you your confidence back because that's what I do with my clients is when people come in and they are feeling the way that you do. And I'm like, I, I want you to just walk to the other wall. And you're like, yeah, but there's a dog there. There I'm like, just walk. And then you go and you do it and you practice it. It gives you it gives you the confidence because in order for your dog to really steam forward with confidence, you're gonna have to to push the envelope with him because he's not gonna be able to get better unless you get better because you're the only one that's really holding that situation back, and you're probably giving him all of these mixed signals. Um, so his security is predicated off of your security. So the first place you have to start is is with you. And that's why there's we're, we're starting to get into a different world of the dogs where we're, there's a lot of professionals out there, including myself, that are much more than dog trainers, right? We're therapists. We're artists. We are – we are much more than just teaching your dog how to sit and down. It's when somebody comes in with a problem with their dog and they feel like you do, 
somebody needs to be able to say, look, put your arm down, breathe, look forward, keep your eyes straight, walk forward, and then put, you know, just coaching you through how to behave is really a piece of it. So that's the first thing I would say is it's totally normal for a dog owner to come in with that one incident under your belt where you're like, oh, this one time this happened and now I think it's going to happen all the time, which is human. That's that's what makes us human. That's That's the reason why our brain works the way it does to keep us safe, right? And anytime that we get hurt in any way, emotionally or physically, our brain is supposed to have these stoppers that say like, hey, remember last time? And so if your dog had if your dog had a bad experience and then when you go out and then in your head you're thinking about all the ways it could go wrong, I think that that's a human thing. It's not a you thing. It's just how other people I, – I think about that. See, here's the thing is like I think about that every day because I, I know what dogs are capable of and I know dogs on a different level than other people because this is my career. For an example, my just for Christmas, um, two days ago now or whatever, my mom came over and she has a little Shih Tzu and I have my Dutch Shepherd Lakota and she wanted to feed my Dutch Shepherd Lakota food, you know, from the table and from the cooking and I'm like, you got to stop. I'm like, you know, mom's, my mom doesn't listen to me regardless, but I think that's just a grandma thing and I'm like, mom, you got to stop and she didn't. I just want to give you an example of I, I think like this too because she doesn't understand that she thinks I'm like she can't have um, a carrot or she can't have a piece of bread or whatever. She In her head, that's what she's thinking I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about her feeding my dog something and then her dog running up and then sitting there and then the two dogs getting into it because they're begging for food. It has nothing to do with the product of what you're giving my dog. It's because you don't understand that the circumstances that you're creating and the tension that you're creating could make these two have a problem with one another, which you're not thinking of, but I am because A, this is what I do for a living and I've seen it a bazillion times, but B, I also know what it looks like for a big dog to attack a smaller dog and it's not pretty. And so so don't think of don't think of it in a way that you're like you have these anxieties of like Every time I go out, I'm almost thinking of like, what could go wrong? And that's why I train the way that I do. I I say that in a video that I was recently editing. And when we were in Colorado, I always say like, in my head, I'm always thinking of what's the worst that could happen when I'm training my dog in reality. Not for obedience training because that's just fun. But if I go outside and my dog is off leash, in my head, I'm thinking what what could go wrong here? Right. And then that's why I train with remote collars. Or if I'm walking a very powerful dog, or my client is walking a very powerful dog, and I'm thinking in my head, what could go wrong here? Oh, well, this dog could drag this owner down the road and get put into the ER, like one of my clients did in Oregon, until they, because they were on a harness, until they figured out what a prong collar was. So don't think of it as a, um, a bad thing. You're just being responsible because you care. Now, the muzzle thing that you're kind of working on is hard for you just because of the stigma of what it could represent to other people. Of If a dog is muzzled, that means they're aggressive. And, you know, recently I've been talking about, like, the muzzle is for your dog, not for anything else. Like, the muzzle is to keep your dog safe. 
And that's that. Like I, I've, I, I did this new account called Dude with a Dog Sign. So we've been making like these dog sign, like passive aggressive signs. And one of them that we were gonna do that we didn't was my dogs were in a muzzle because of you. And that's like something that people don't realize that the muzzle is on the dog to help them be safe. So you need confidence, which is only going to come from you doing something, hopefully with a coach that can guide you through scenarios to say, look, you did it. Good job. And you're like, oh, and then the other thing is, is you'll need somebody to help put you through these environmental tests to see what the exact triggers are for your dog. So those two things are what everyone really needs. You come in, you go, yeah, my dog is misbehaving and they're never going to get better or I don't think they're going to get better or I'd be really happy if they got better or whatever. So that's pretty much what I do is I say, I'm going to work on you and then I'm going to work on your dog because when, like if you watch my videos, when people come in, the first thing I do is I say, let me, let me see you like walk around with your dog. And that's typically what ends up happening is even like the other day I did a FaceTime like this and, um, the owner, I was like, just go grab your dog. And cause sometimes the connection via Wi-Fi is terrible and it's like really bad, but sometimes it's good like this. I'm like, go grab your dog and let me just, and like within three seconds, I was like that right there is like the problem. So you need somebody to help give you the confidence back by just simply teaching you what to do a and B walk you through like, Hey, this is okay. Like you're good. Like this is totally normal. Like this happens all the time. And then I think if I were to add like a third thing for your success and your roadmap to making your life the happiest it could be with your dog is control and obedience. Because if your dog is controlled and obedient, then you can really do anything that you want. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and I think that a lot of that has been a struggle just because Denver is super hard-headed, super stubborn. He wants to do things on his agenda. Um, and if something isn't going the way he wants it to go, everyone in the room will know because, you know, he starts acting out. And, and that's something that uh, we've gotten better, but there's a long way to go. And I think that helps my confidence when I know that I can go somewhere and he's focused on me rather than everything else going on. Or if he does get focused on something else, I can bring him back in, in a way that's not too confrontational to the point where he's going to start freaking out or I'm going to start freaking out. Um, and that's what the e-caller has helped me with. And, and that leash pressure, I, I, I've worked a lot with that, but there's a long way to go. Um, because if, if I can control him in those instances, I think that confidence can get built up naturally um, on my end. And and I think that um, something that maybe I, I want your piece on uh, before we finish off is how do I just learn to acknowledge that my dog is, is just probably not gonna be the friendliest dog ever and, and when is that okay? Um, because I see how great he is. Other people might not see it. That's part of the situation sometimes. But how do I learn to accept that he is who he is and I can work on things, but I might not ever be able to bring him around another male dog with no reaction whatsoever. Um, 
any like kind of words of uh, of advice there? Like, is it okay to just be like, this isn't who he's going to be and that's all right. Like, when can I just accept that? Or is that something that is something I'm probably never going to be able to accept? Yeah. Well, I, I think, yeah, that that's something that is totally normal for dog owners. They just don't know that that, again, that they don't know that that's acceptable. And that's where, again, my experience comes in because not every dog is going to be like, like not every dog is going to like other dogs. And that's just part of being a dog owner. But again, there's just like this false thing out there that it's like, and I think it's, again, I think it's a natural thing that dogs, dog owners have is they're like, Oh, my dog has to be friendly. My dog has to go to dog parks, my dog, blah, blah, blah. But it's not until somebody like myself who is an expert in dog behavior can say to you like, no, they don't need friends. They probably don't want friends. Some dogs do, some dogs don't. And this isn't even from like a training standpoint. This is somebody who has a daycare, had managed a daycare years and years and years ago. Like I have so much experience in dogs uh, interacting with one another. And it's like a flip of a coin. Like 50% of the time a dog, like a dog owner will come in for a daycare eval and they don't like it. And the dog owners like yourself are very torn up. They're like, I don't understand. Like what's wrong? Is there anything we could do? Uh, Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is not it's like going on dates. It's like you go on you go on a on a date with somebody that you don't know or that you don't know that well and it doesn't go good and you're like is it me? What did I did I not wear something right? Did I did I not sit down right? Like it's like you can't you can't think like that. Like it's not realistic and that's that's where I think a lot of people have a hard time is just understanding fundamentally that not all dogs are going to like other dogs. And I think that that's a big misconception, just like, I think it's just education is what it comes down to is like having education around these topics will really help dog owners mental state of mind, like with the muzzle or with the prong collar, the e-collar, it's all the lack thereof. the education is why anybody feels a certain way about these things. Like you could say, Hey, the muzzle keeps my dog safe and alive. And there's going to be somebody out there. that's like, I'd rather see your dog dead than wear that muscle. And you're like, are you crazy? And you're like, yes, they are crazy, <laughs> you know? And, and that's, but you can't, you can't let that, you know, get you down. So I guess my point is, is, um, your dog is going to be completely fine and happy, uh, to be, uh, to have one or two friends and not really care. Like my dog is the same way. Like Lakota, um, when she's out and about, like she doesn't meet any other dogs ever just because she doesn't want to. She like, she doesn't like to, it's not because she's aggressive or, um, I want to be antisocial. It's just, she doesn't like to meet other dogs. And that's nothing that, that anybody has ever done. That's just her personality. And that's totally okay. So there's many dogs that are like that, but I think dog owners need to understand that you're not doing them disjustice. You're not suppressing their potential. You're not, I mean, if your dog simply, now there's a way to, there's also a way to um, proof these things out to see if that's actually what's going on. You know, like you, you can try to figure out does your is your dog fearful of other dogs? Does your like 
does your dog like certain dogs and not other dogs? I mean, there's plenty of ways where you can proof things out to figure out what, you know, your dog likes and doesn't like. Because that's the thing too is if your dog is selective about who they like and who they don't like, you're going to basically cut off all dogs because you're like, I don't want there to be a problem, which again is totally normal and acceptable and responsible. Um, I don't blame you for that. I don't blame any dog owner for that. But there's also ways that like what we do at our facility and we have done in the past, we've done it in our videos, is we've tried to figure out what the dog's triggers are, what they like. Like so many videos and so many times we'll take a dog that, you know, their owners are like, oh, you know, my dog doesn't like other dogs and blah, blah, blah. And that's totally fine. And then I'll try to like figure out what the triggers are and actually show the dog owner like, hmm, actually this is what you're seeing. It's more of a fear thing. And so many times we've done that where we get dogs on the fence, we have them meet, they're fine, they walk away. And I just kind of go over from what I'm seeing like, oh, this is actually how your dog feels. And your dog probably just doesn't want to be. And, but, but again, so my answer and my thoughts on what you were saying is it's totally normal for you to feel um, like you're doing your dog injustice by not allowing them to go up and see all the other dogs like some dogs you may see do. Um, that's totally normal. Like don't worry about it. But also um, I think that the way that you're handling your dog and the way that you're handling situations – could be also predicating how your dog behaves around these dogs. So you could also be the sole reason why your dog isn't able to meet other dogs successfully. Just because there's it could go either way. Like your dog could not like other dogs and that's totally cool. Or you could be the reason why your dog is reactive towards other dogs, making you think they don't like other dogs. So but again, like that's gonna come from somebody being able to like walk you through that process and actually trialing it yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense i've i've gone down that train of thought before of uh how much of this has to do with me and could it be resource guarding could it be me just putting my guard up so much that he feels that and then he tenses up around other dogs um am i even giving him a chance to prove me wrong um i think that for me the the risk of that um, is not worth the reward uh, of him having a positive interaction. And I think that comes down to sheer size. I mean, he's bigger than me. <laughs> he's way stronger than me. Um, and I think I just, I, I kind of freak out like, this could go well, but if it doesn't, oh my God, am I in trouble? <laughs> you know, he's broken fingers. He's, you know, I fell numerous times flat on my face <laughs> in the middle of winter. Um, because he's just too strong. He's too strong. And uh, we're, we're in a good place with our, our leash walking, but um, it doesn't take much for, for that to snap out. And then for him to just be like, you know, tunnel vision at whatever he wants. Um, and then all that goes out the window. So, so, so I think, yeah, like sometimes I, I'll see a dog and I'll say, Hey, maybe, maybe we can walk a little bit closer and see how Denver reacts. And then I'm like, Oh, but if he pulls, I, I might as well just go the other way and just avoid that altogether. Um, and, and, and like you said, working with a coach of some sort, um, I might be able to, to have some of those scenarios and have them be in a, in a safe environment. Um, and, and that could help, I think, a lot. 
but but yeah, I think you know I've I've bitten off more than I could chew uh, with this dog, and I think that maybe that that that's where some of these these problems have have just kind of been residually lying there for me to to think about and you know keep me awake at night. And it's it's he's a big boy, and I I like you said I just I think about the worst that's going to happen, and um, I think it's time for me to to start working through some of those feelings and and talking to someone about them and and potentially having Denver in, in a position where he can have more positive reactions or uh, interactions but if he doesn't that's cool too I think I think that's what what you've said has has taught me and um, I like to think that if, if you were to have met Denver um, you'd be pretty proud because he's built really into the Tom Davis system uh, I watch your videos you know every single day um, and it really if someone could say oh you know who's your dog trainer I, I would love to say you because you have been that um, and and he, he's he's a good dog and I've learned a lot um, and I think sometimes I, I got to realize like some things are going to be beyond me I can't make him smaller he's not going to wake up tomorrow and be 50 pounds instead of 130 um, but what can I do to to make our life um, as, as great as it can be and I think that's what this conversation has taught me and I knew the conversation would go in this direction and I might not focus on you know specific scenarios but focus on the bigger picture of, of how to build a, a better relationship with, with him and um, give him the, the opportunities to to show me that he he can be um, who I who I know he is but um, yeah it, this is this has been fantastic I um, yeah I'm really grateful for this this is just opened my eyes to a lot and I know you work with I see all the dogs that you work with uh, there was that boar bowl that you worked with that that video is um, that really resonated with me. That really hit home with me. Yeah. And I remember I cried in that video, uh, watching that video because I saw Denver in that dog. Um, and you know, I saw that the amazing owners, you know, walking through the woods and I, I felt that, that, that hit and, you know, seeing another person and clenching and getting the leash really close to me and, and, you know, trying to hold the whole dog's weight on me so he doesn't go at another dog. Um, I felt all that. So you know, just getting to speak with you has been, it's kind of well, it's rounded out all those feelings I've had in the videos and, and um, gave me a lot of clarity about my dog training experience. So really grateful. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad that that's what it is. And even that video there, the, the Borble in Montana, that was like a, you know, that was a situation where just the, you know, just the wrong match. Like they, they shouldn't have had that dog. Um, they do. So you know, it, it, my job isn't like, there's some people out there that are like, you need to get rid of this dog. I'm like, you can't like, I'm a, see, that's the thing about me is I'm a dog owner lover first before I became a professional. So I know what I would do if somebody looked at me and said, you need to get rid of your dog. I'd find somebody else <laughs> to help me, you know? So I'm not that guy. And cause it just, I don't think it's beneficial. Now, if somebody were to ask me, Hey, I'm 65 and not really that mobile. Do you think I should get a boreball? I'd say, no. Don't get a borbo. Get a lab. Get a chihuahua. Get a shih tzu. You know, um, but if you want, we can we can dive in a little bit to the some of the granule stuff um, of how you're handling uh, the dog and go through that if you want. Um, it's up to you. Yeah, I would love to. Okay, because I because I I agree. Like I think you understand the overall like hey it's okay if your dog doesn't like other dogs and hey it's okay to feel the way that you feel because every dog owner who has a reactive dog 
feels that way. They're like always like, oh shit, is something going to happen? I don't want anything to happen. And I think, again, it's human and it's normal for you to do that. And I wouldn't beat yourself up over that because even I do that like all the time, even just at Christmas the other day with my own family, I'm like, you know, there's a, I always talk about like a micro and a macro, like a little and a big. And um, people don't realize that, that it's not the carrot that you're giving my dog. It's the situation you're putting my dog in with the other dog. And people don't realize that. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. So when you go out with Denver, uh, what what does this look like? Like you go out the door, what is your routine? How do you, what do you do? So our days, the morning, he gets a leash walk. We, I get the prong on, get the e-collar on put the e-collar around my neck, the remote. Uh, I get his collar on. I get the safety clip. What type of what type of uh, prong collar? Are you using like a Herm Springer? Okay. Do you know yeah. what size it is? I've, I've had a hard time with sizing. Um, I had, I don't know the size I'm using right now. I think it's a, it's, it's by numbers, right? So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's like a five, it's, it's big. Um, it's almost too big, I think. Do you um, – yeah, because that's going to be important. Like when you're out and you're handling him, it's going to be important for you to make sh- – like if that – so if that collar isn't sized right, you're going to be probably wasting a lot of your time. So that's something that I always make sure dog owners are like really uh, mindful of. Um, do you have it there? I have it downstairs. Do you want to grab it so I can – yeah, I'd like to see because you, yeah, you might have um, – if your sizing of your prong is wrong, like right now you need to go out with as much control and power steering as you can to help with your ultimate problem, which is your confidence. So I'd like to see what that looks like. Absolutely. I'll go cool. run and grab it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Is there anything else that I should bring or, or if you want If you want to – if he's there, if you want to yeah. show me how it fits on him, that would be – the most helpful so I can see if make sure it's fit right. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Okay, I'll be right back. No problem. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I figured you had. It I, I don't know for sure until I see it on him, but that's that could be like the four point something. I can't remember what it is, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's big. And uh, obviously, I mean, you've worked with a lot of Mastiffs before uh, or Mastiff mixes. He's got a lot of extra skin or like neck skin. So that's why the sizing has been even harder for me because I I worry that it's choking Mm -hmm. him if it's too tight because of all that extra flab that's got going on there. But I'll put it on him and here, he's it. And I will show you. All right, so. This is him. Den, come here. Uh-huh. Sit. That's cute. All right. So, a little low here. Yeah. So, this is where I have it. Okay. Yeah, so that's a good collar. That's like a really nice collar. I would recommend, hey, hey. I would recommend a 3.2. So, 3.2? Yeah. So... You can get a, and that, you could get a three point two Herm Springer. So it's the collar that you have. It's just a little bit smaller, 
And the reason that is, is because when you have like, that's a, I call that the lion tamer. It's a really big collar. Um, and it, it's not going to give you the power steering that you might need. Um, because that is going to be a very strong, powerful collar. It's going to be a stopper, but it's not going to give you, yeah. So so like, see how big it is compared to your hands. It's like the links are ginormous. Um, so I would, I would recommend getting like a 3.2 because the 3.2 like is going to give you finer, finer prong collar communication. It's going to be a little bit more, uh, defined. It's going to be a little bit more precise because that thing is, is like I said, that's not a bad collar. That's not the wrong collar, but when you're working Mm -hmm. on your handling and your control, you're going to find more precision and more reaction from the dog and more response from the dog with a smaller collar because you're going to have more points of pressure on the dog's neck. <laughs> He's very sweet. He looks yeah. he looks like a like a golden retriever mastiff. That's it. Like he just Yeah. He's very sweet. Aw. So if you use a smaller prong collar gauge, so they call that the gauge. So the so what you're measuring is like the the diameter of the the prong collar itself. So the gauge of the wire. And so if you used a three point two, you're gonna have two prong collars for probably like every one of yours. So you're going to have more power steering and you're going to have more control. So when you go out and you flick your wrist or you do a correction, you're going to have more points of pressure on the dog's neck, which is going to ultimately give you that snappier, like, Hey, pay attention that you need. The one that you have again is a good collar. It's, it's the, it's not a, the wrong collar. It's just, you need precision over power. And that collar is all power. That is a big, like showstopper, like, uh, it's not going to break. <laughs> so, but I always tell people like, if you have a safety clip on a dog like that, like I would use the, the 3.2, you can get them to like, you can get them in Kurrigan, you could get them in black stainless steel. So they have like a Kurrigan is like basically what looks like their rose, rose, rose gold. And I believe we have some on our website at buynobaddogs.com. So if you just type in like buynobaddogs.com, you can see it. Um, we have them on our site. They're a little bit more expensive than the, than the traditional stainless steel. Um, or I'm sorry, than the chrome plated. The Kurrigan doesn't have any nickel in it. So it doesn't leave some dogs are, are sensitive to nickel. They're like have an allergy to it. And then some dogs also like, um, just do better with like a Kurrigan. So I would get the 3.2 or 3.0 Kurrigan with your safety clip. And then that's going to give you a lot more control. Like you'll see a huge difference because what you want is, Okay. So uh, that's good. So I want to continue to dive into your routines and the things that you do when, when you think shit's about to hit the fan when really it probably isn't. Um, okay. So that's good to know. So I would get that, switch that collar up, um, start working on that. You'll see a significant difference. It would be like, mm, I don't know how to explain it, but it would be a big difference. It's like, you're you have a resistance band against you right now with that bigger collar i would i would use the smaller one okay so okay you put the prong on you put the e-collar on what are you using what are you using the e-collar for when you're out and you're training like on your walk 
I use it to be completely honest, mostly for his prey drive when he sees a squirrel or a rabbit. Um, I, I, may, I mainly use the vibration when it comes to that because he really doesn't like the vibration. Right. Um, and I tell him to, to leave it and I, I use the vibration to, to get his focus off of whatever he wants to chase. Um, and then I redirect him. We usually turn around and go the other direction and, and try to forget that that thing was ever there because okay. if he does fixate and he goes, um, I'll, I'll, my finger will break, which is usually what happens because I hold the leash. And this is a, a very bad thing that I do. Um, and I, I, I'm sure you see it with other clients, but I pretty much wrap the leash around yeah. <laughs> my hand. Yeah. And when he pulls, he crushes my yeah. fingers. Um, yeah. But that's where I feel safe is yep. when it's like that. Yeah, so totally understand. Like a lot of people that, – that's what I'm saying though is like this is where you need like a coaching type of thing because – so we're developing right now. We're developing a online training program with me. Wow. So this is like a consulting service. Um, it's really helpful to a lot of people, but we're creating an online program where I'm actually meeting with you once a week and we're going over footage and I'm pointing things out. Like, so, so how, so I'm only one person and how do I, cause that's the thing is like, there's so many people that we're trying and we've been trying to figure this out for years. I'm like, let's just keep putting out free stuff on YouTube, but there's still like missing gaps, right? Like you've watched every YouTube video or you've watched a lot or whatever. And so it's like, you still have missing gaps. And so we're, we are creating this, um, in the future. We're hopefully wanted out by the end of February. Um, and, and so that'll be helpful for you just in the future. But, um, if you need more like expedited services, you could also in the future, we could do this, uh, again, I know your boyfriend bought it for you for a gift or whatever, but if you did it again, you could send me over like clips of you working, um, which isn't as it, it's going to be, it's more helpful than it is now. Cause I don't know what you're doing right now, but it'll be more helpful. But the way that the new program is working is we're, we'll have like this whole powwow, like once a week and we'll go, it's like a package deal. Anyway, that's happening in the future. But re regardless of that, um, you want to make sure that when you're holding the leash, these are the like little things that I would see your, your objective is to correct the dog uh, before they even get to the point where they can pull. So when you're healing with the dog, the dog should be at your heels. And when they cross your leg, like when his chest cross your leg, that's where you should be correcting, like at that moment. And you should hear your prong collar go like this. You should hear it kind of like the chain snap. And that's where a lot of people, again, like have this misconception of the prong collar that it's, it's supposed to just um, – when the dog pulls, it pulls back and that's like what it does. And that's not it. The prong collar is actually supposed to be used as a proactive instead of a reactive tool. So you're supposed to be correcting the dog before they get to that point where you have to hold on. Yeah. So right now what you're doing is, is you're like tightening up the reins. And then when the dog pulls, you're just hanging on. So two things are happening is the dog isn't learning that what they're doing is wrong by pulling because you haven't corrected the dog. You're just holding on, which the prong collar is helpful, but it's the same mental 
um, circumstances as like using a harness. Like it's not teaching them that what they're doing at that moment is wrong. It's just giving you a little bit more leverage to hang on. So you want to make sure that when you're going out with him, that you're working on these stop and goes and these directional changes and things like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and, um, I feel like for a long time since I started using it, uh, the prong collar has been a survival tool for us. It hasn't been a training tool. Mm. It's been the prong is the only way my dog doesn't get off his leash and towards whatever he's after. Right. Because I, I can stop him some most of the time. But it's because I'm putting that constant pressure on the prong. It's not, I'm not do, like right. that snap. It's, it doesn't come naturally to me because I I don't feel strong enough to do it. And I think a lot of that has to do with I'm this prong is huge. It's it's a heavy tool as it is. Um, and then it's got that pressure on his neck and he's got all the neck fat. And then I'm just kind of yanking it to get him away from something rather than that snap, leave it or, you know, whatever it might be, the command that I'm I'm going along with that correction. And it, it's not working. It's just making do. And it, mm -hmm. it's just a survival tool. And yeah. and when you speak about the prong in the way that you are, I can identify that I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it in the way that the tool is meant for. I'm doing it so I have leverage over his strength. Um, and that's going to, to not really bring a lot of good uh, to our leash walks because I think he can, he knows that too. He's not feeling the correction. He's feeling constant pressure. Mm -hmm. um, right. And when I'm holding him for dear life on a walk and he's feeling that constant pressure, I don't think he knows when it's a correction. Um, even when I try, I don't think it hits to him and I don't think he registers it as a correction or as doing something that he shouldn't be doing. I think he's like, oh, the prong's on. I'm just going to be, you know, yanking on this my entire walk and probably choking myself to some extent. Yeah. And that's not good. So, yeah. but yeah. It, it, yeah, no, exactly. Home run, definitely. But also that will also tell you that like he's not engaged with you. And so yeah. right now you guys are going out. He is being a dog and then you're scanning the environment to make sure nothing pops up. And so that's, that's a terrible way to be living just in general with your dog, because you're, you're constant, you're not enjoying your walk when the walk should be your most enjoyed thing that you do with your dog. You know what I mean? And like right now you're going out and your dog is literally, you're just hanging on and you're hanging on with anxiety of like, hopefully something doesn't happen wrong. And that's, I'm just telling you that things could be a lot better. Um, you just need the right coaching on how to, to make that happen because you're just, you're not in a good place to learn. Um, and, and the good thing about, uh, and, and what I mean by that is, is you need somebody to grab the leash and say, Hey, look, this is what you can do. You know what I mean? And, and that's going to give you all the confidence in the world. And that's, that's really what you need is, is a capable person to do that. So, Again, like when you go out, you, your dog should be engaged with you, looking at you, paying attention to you. So some exercises that you can start doing. Um, are you familiar with like the drawback recalls and the, and, the, and the inside and outside turns and stuff? Yeah, a little bit from your, from your videos. Um, but I'm going to be very honest. I, I, we don't work on stuff like that okay. that much. I, 
I more so just try to keep him in hmm. heel. And when we do any type of turnaround, it's because we're running away from something. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so no, we're not that familiar with it. Okay. So you have to, like, I want you guys to thrive in your relationship and, and create a better trust and create a better just um, meaning of life for you guys. Like right now, it's very like, again, like hang on, like, oh shit type of stuff. And it doesn't have to be like that. You just don't know how to do it yet. And so one way to start doing that is literally when you walk outside, say his name and just backpedal. So you say, Denver, come. And what you want to do right now is you don't want to try to keep him in a heel his whole walk because you'll fail. Like nobody can do that, including him. Um, so don't try to keep him in a heel the whole time. You should be very black and white with your heel and your break, making sure that he earns his break and that he gets his break and he understands the break is much different from the heel. Uh, so that's what I would be working on is, 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 uh, directional changes, recalls, things like that. Um, because that's what, that's, what's going to keep the dog engaged with you right now. Again, he's going out and he's you're both in a bad place probably like you're he's probably going out and he's like oh i don't really know what to do and he's like suspicious and then you're kind of like oh shit so i want you to make it more about you two like when you go out like draw back and call him denver come he comes to you and then you pay him with your food and whatever um but make sure that you're not trying to heal him heal him for 15 to 20 seconds and then give him a break and then let him break for as long as you want two minutes three minutes four minutes five minutes whatever and then okay denver heel and then you slide him back into the heel but these are the things that you have to start that's what i mean is like you need a whole reset like fundamentally your problems are also the lack of like basic handling like if you can't go out and communicate with him and and teach him new things and make him feel secure with obedience it's kind of this perpetual like recycled thing unfortunately so okay and, and i think the pager is good to use how you're using it as far as like an oh shit button if he decides to go a wire um that's a good way to use it but you can also i worked with this dog in when we were on tour in la and these guys these this young younger couple had this gigantic beautiful german shepherd and he was huge he was probably a hundred pounds plus which is big for a shepherd like full bred like working line big boy and he um the owners they they i can't remember how old the dog was he was more than a year old i think he was intact and he was just i mean when i'm working with dogs i can get a sense of like anything else right doesn't matter if you're a dentist a, a masseuse a hairstylist any type of service you work with so many as soon as you touch the client you can tell like this is what this is you know what i mean and so with when i'm working with dogs it's the same way i'm like this dog was really nice like really really nice dog not in a sense of like friendly nice but in a sense of like this dog was really balanced and just like i could just feel i mean that's what it's why i do what i do is i just have this like feeling and this dog was like super sound like really nice dog and he, they just couldn't control him. He was a hundred plus pounds, giant dog, intact, working line, um, no outlets. What they weren't playing tug with him. They weren't playing ball with him. He just didn't know what the frick to do. So mm-hmm. when I got the leash, he was just like, "Just yeah, just tell me what to do, man. I'll do it. I don't really like. I don't. I'll do whatever you want me to do." But they were having a hard time with reactivity because the mom or the owner was 
probably a hundred pounds soaking wet, five foot five, <laughs> like very like petite, small woman. And every time she would get the dog, the dog would go crazy at the end of the leash. And so he wasn't mean or aggressive, but he was reactive. And so anyway, my, my point is, is I ended up saying, I worked with this dog for like two and a half days. And I remember for the first time in the States, sometimes I'll do this if I'm in a different country teaching. It was the first time in the States where I was like, is there any other dog trainer in here that can help these guys as I attend like the other clients? Because I couldn't, they needed very particular handling skill sets to, to handle. This, this dog was just too much for him. He out, this dog outweighed both of these guys. He was super intelligent, too much dog. But like you said, like same thing you said in the beginning of your, you're like, I, you know, I always wanted this big protective dog. And it's like the big protective dogs need a solid driver, you know? They need somebody that really like, you know, it's like getting a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. Like, okay, now you got the supercar. Like, do you know how to drive it? And it's like, uh, nope, <laughs> I'm used to driving, not this, you know? So anyway, I ended up working with the dog with the e-collar for healing. So I replaced the leash pops with a corrective level on their remote collar, which I think they had like a dog trust something, 1900 or something, but so that's one thing you could do too. And again, like it's, it's a whole project and things like that, but that's one thing you could do as well is I, I was like, okay, they can't, they're, they just can't, they can't, they can't like, it's just too much. And so I ended up replacing the leash pop with a like level six or seven. So every time the dog would cross my leg, I'd go ah, and I would use the, the, the stimulation, not the pager. Cause the pager is like that. Oh shit. Very corrective. And the stimulation has such a big spectrum that you can really dial. That's a beauty of like using modern remote collar training is you can dial it in really nicely. Um, so anyway, that's a thought too in the future. Um, as you go off on this path of working with your dog and create, I, I just truly think that you guys can have the relationship that you deserve as well as, um, cause I can just feel and see, uh, your frustration and your care for this dog. And I think he has all the potential. You just don't know how to start the engine yet. And I think once you figure that out, everything is going to change for you and him. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That, uh, that really resonates. Um, everything you said just about that, that couple with the German shepherd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's too much dog and, uh, to find the tools to help navigate, mm -hmm. um, that and, 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 Denver, I have no doubt that that dog loves me. Like he loves me. He takes care of me. Mm -hmm. I try to do the same for him, but sometimes like love isn't enough. Like that's in every sense, every relationship you can have. Sometimes love just isn't enough and you have to work harder in other areas to build trust and build connection and build safety and stability. And I think that's where we're at right now is the love is there. Like, you know, I, I know he loves me. I know I love him, but but what else, like, what else can I do? Um, and, you know, you've given clarity to a lot of those things and just building, building that relationship with him is, is going to be key, uh, for him, yeah. him having a well life. So, so yeah. Yeah. I, I just think right now that you're, yeah, exactly. Like you guys have all the love. You just don't have like the very granule how to's cause you're, and I get it. Like you're worried about him making a mistake uh, you're also worried about you doing the right thing. So you're going out and 
what you need is you need to go out and have control and you need to go out and have um, clarity and uh, a lot of assertive like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to do. Um, and, and right now you're just going out and hanging on. And so you're never going to be able to get better that way. And in your head, it's like, well, I have the prong collar and I have the e-collar. But those are like those are you're using those tools as desperate measures of um just keeping everybody safe. And I want you to be using them as like, you're using them as like, you get a Swiss army knife and you're only using the screwdriver. Like you have so many different things that you could be doing uh, with those tools with the dog. And I think once you, again, like work with somebody, I don't, I'm, we, we are going to Canada next year to train. Uh, I don't know where we're going to go because it's such a big place and I'm very ignorant to what Canada is. Um, but I get the most requests for Canada, just in general, like out of everywhere, it's Canada. I don't know if it's the lack of training or whatever, but Canada is my number one. Canada and probably Netherlands is like my number one, wow. like this is where you need to go. And we are doing Netherlands next year too. So we're doing both. But anyway, so homework is going to be get yourself a new um, prong collar, work on your like stop and goes. So, um, and if I have time today, I'll try to find you a video to send over that has specifics on that. Um, but work on your, work on your stop and goes, work on the dog paying attention to you, work on that engagement that you're missing. Like you should stop and your dog should stop with you and look at you right now. Like don't be going out and holding on like, and use that pop like on the collar, like snap that leash right when the dog gets past you. Cause that's that like, Hey, no, nope, er, wrong. That's like hitting the, 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 uh, I always tell people like when you're driving and you hit the little rivets on the side of the road, you kind of, you correct over. So work on that. And then, uh, again, I think in the future, what you could do is we are going to do that online portal. If you don't find somebody between now and then, um, it's something that a lot of people, have asked about. It's something that I wish I could do. Like in this situation, I'd love to be like, Hey, talk to you next week for a follow-up. Um, so it is something that we are doing, um, this, uh, couple next couple months, we're working on it right now. Um, and then in between that or, and, or that you could find somebody that you feel comfortable with training to put in the work, to help you and coach you along the way to figure out, you know, how to connect you from A to B. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. I'm really interested in that um, program, that virtual training, like recurring yeah, yeah. session program. I, I will keep an eye out for that. And in terms of now booking something for the future, I, I'm totally wanting to do that as well. So would I just use the the virtual um, booking platform you have uh, to just book another session and and that's just as easy as it is. Hey, eh? I just do that like like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can. And what I'll do is I'll, um, I don't know if, I don't know, I can send you a quick email to the email. I think it was your boyfriend's email possibly. Um, I can yeah. send you an email. The only way I say, th the only reason why I say 30 is because if you do anything longer than that, it, it's a pain in the ass for like Google downloads and stuff. So just send yeah. that over to that email. And then when we come on live, I can pull them up on my, my computer and I can watch them in real time and show you like, Hey, look at your hands, look at your shoulders, look at what you said. And that would be to me, like, in my opinion, that would probably be like the most beneficial, effective next step for you is to just go out 
film the top things that you're really struggling with, book another session. And then when we talk like this again, I'll be able to pull them up and show you exactly what we're talking about. Absolutely. I can, I can totally do that. And, um, really appreciate you even wanting to work with us again. Um, sure. it's a phenomenal opportunity being all the way in Canada. And, you know, if you do make it over here and, uh, anywhere close to me, I will travel. That's 100%. Cool. Um, but for now the, the virtual is, is, is really just, it's unreal. So, um, really appreciate the, yeah. appreciate the opportunity and I can take those videos and I, I really look forward to, to chatting with you again and to, to, getting uh, Denver and, and I back on the right track. And um, I, I want to be a success story. Like I want to be those people that you talk about that, you know, they have come a long way and, and, you know, things are so great. Like I want to feel like that. And I, I know it's going to take a while to get there, but I, I believe it's possible. And um, yeah, just really so appreciate you and, and everything you do. And um, it's made a huge difference on my life. And now just getting to meet you is, is just the next step in that journey and, and working with, uh, with you with Denver. So Really appreciate it, Tom. You're yeah. the best. No worries. Appreciate it. Yep. Good luck. Uh, just go out there and start working hard. Order that collar. Uh, and again, just work on your stop and goes. I'll, I'll try to think of something today that I can send you over uh, that I can like a video demonstrating some things and we'll go from there. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast. We're going to get into your dog training questions. Five-star review from 92 Henry, inspirational. I've been following you for a few months or so, and I appreciate all the knowledge you share absolutely for free. I listen to your podcast while I'm at work every day. Thank you so much. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate it a lot. Next one comes from Sarnica, Animated Roddy. Tom, I love your podcast and your knowledge. I've been working with dogs in one aspect or another for a couple decades, along with constant dog parenting of my own. Like you, I've been gifted with the ability to communicate and understand for the better. Listening to your podcast, I've been able to understand and recognize this gift and help help my community by finally having the ability to explain some things I, ne I never had to put into words. And um, So you have a gift, uh, not only with dogs, but also with explanation. I hope to find the time to watch your YouTube channel, but a lot of my days are spent driving all over from different appointments, so my eyes are occupied elsewhere. Anyways, love the podcast. My struggle question is this. I recently heard a podcast where you gave advice to someone who wanted to speed up their dog's response to commands, but I'm having the opposite issue. I have a two-year-old Rottweiler who is intense with everything that she does. We have great obedience, understanding verbal and nonverbal commands, and she is stim fluent as well. Recall on point, heel to die for, she does what I ask, but I can't put into words her intensity of compliance. She has literally broken my toes when I've asked her for a down too close to proximity, and she doesn't just go for her place she goes to her place sprint and slide the whole bit i worked on her i worked with her on the leash a couple months to try to pace her but as soon as the leash is off it's 100 miles per hour i've run i've run her ragged and she tr and tried working with her but she still goes 100 percent of the time with every command should i accept her enthusiasm and wear steel toe boots put a bumper bumpers around her place so she doesn't go through the wall do you have any suggestions also a note uh, you say that there are no quick questions. I'd like to disagree. Most questions are quick. The answers take time. Um, okay, so I mean, my my answer is yes. You're gonna have to accept the enthusiasm and get creative to work around the things that you are finding inconvenient because she's over enthusiastic. And I think any other thing other than being creative to help with the 
negative things that come with this is going to be not fair. So obviously correcting her and things like that wouldn't be fair. Um, putting a leash on her, you already tried to slow things down. So I would, yes, uh, like if you're worried about her down and hitting your feet, then you need to be more mindful of where you're downing her in proximity to your to you. Um, it's the same thing when we work with like bigger dogs in general. Um, we have to be very careful, or I shouldn't say that. We have to just be a little bit more mindful about what we're asking them to do because of their size. Um, like, um, yeah, anyway, so just, just make sure that you're, I, I think just getting more creative. So maybe using touch pads, um, putting the cot against a wall. Um, so that way when she places, it doesn't slide all over the place. Um, if she's hitting the wall, then yes, you'll have to use some sort of bumper or you'll have to just get creative again with the cot or just use a touch command instead. Like if you want her to go to a position and instead of her sliding the cot or hitting the wall, just use a touch command. Use a touch command on a flipped upside down bowl, uh, a trough bowl that we use from Tractor Supply. That way she just goes and puts her two front feet there and then you're done. Same thing on like the down positioning. You can counter the way that we teach behaviors by slowing behaviors down or at least controlling them with like a box or with a touch command. So if you want her to down, you can put the touch in front of you. You can stand back three feet, touch, down, and she's in position. So yeah, I, I personally wouldn't recommend trying to decrease the enthusiasm because you might kick yourself in the future for doing that. I would just get creative to make it more convenient for you and her behaviors. Cool. All right. Next one. I'm now a professional certified every user name taken three. <laughs> hey, hello, Tom. I've been a huge fan. You as a trainer for the last few years. I've also had the eye for training and natural instinct with my training when it comes to animals, having a verbal and visual map of what it's doing and naturally strengthen my training capabilities to the point where I went full-time as a trainer this year and I'm more successful in rehab than ever. I can't put into words how much you've helped me and motivated me. Thank you so much for having the passion for dogs and the stuff that you give away, this information. You're an incredible coach and a friend to all dogs. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to share that on my Instagram. That's an amazing um, testimony. They're all amazing, but that one... It's really nice. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right, next. A very educational five-star review from Block 109. Really enjoyed the podcast ever since getting our German Shepherd puppy. I have been trying to consume as much training content as possible, and this podcast really helps. I'm going to start e-collar training over Christmas break, and I'm very excited about it. Do you think a dog could be too old for e-collar training? I have an 8 to 10-year-old terrier, and I would really love for her to have the opportunity to be off leash and have a great recall. She is healthy and active with no medical issues. The answer is yes, absolutely. I think I think you can absolutely teach an old dog new tricks, if you will. Um, you just get back down to the basics. Like I always say, teaching the dog touch, place, down, using low-level stimulation with tons of positive reinforcement – um, will give you the opportunity to do exactly that. So just take your time, spend a couple weeks on conditioning, make it fun, be consistent, and absolutely uh, you can. So thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast and making it the number one dog training podcast in the United States. Appreciate you guys so much. And uh, don't forget, if you guys want me to answer your questions as listeners, go on over to the iTunes review chart, leave your review, and uh, I will answer them next week. All right, you guys, thank you so much. Uh, have a happy new year if I don't talk to you. Okay, bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.